Welcome to the Littler Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. Conversations related to the human resource challenges of an ever-evolving workforce. Welcome to Episode 6 of my Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Podcast Series, your Diversity and Inclusion Toolkit. My name is Elisha Asgar-Dotson, and I am a Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Trainer, Consultant, and a Shareholder with Littler Mendelssohn the largest management side labor and employment practice in the world. For a while now, I've been advising clients on the ways in which they can legally diversify their recruiting pipeline. Amongst those tools are monetary incentives to recruiters to grow the avenues from which they source talent. This could include having recruiters and staffing agencies analyze the language they use in job postings to ensure that they do not chill interest from diverse candidates. They could expand the range of neighborhoods from where they host job fairs to include socially and economically diverse neighborhoods. They can expand the educational institutions where they regularly recruit to include colleges and universities that have a higher percentage of Black or African American students. And they can even encourage diverse referrals from a diverse workforce. With all these tools, however, it is important to remember that practices that disproportionately limit employment opportunities based on race and are not related to job requirements or business needs can create liability. As such, solely recruiting and hiring diverse talent and eschewing qualified non-diverse talent is just as problematic as the alternative. Of this primary takeaway, I've recently caught wind of a possible hiccup that we would benefit from unraveling today. And the hiccup, or perhaps hiccups, surround the manner in which employers might attempt to leverage recruiters or staffing agencies to build diversity within their ranks. For example, what if an employer asks a staffing agency to help it source diverse talent? How would a staffing agency or a recruiter even know if the talent is diverse? What's more, should a staffing agency know if the talent is diverse? Underlying all these questions, of course, is the primary concern about building diversity, equity, and inclusion so that an employer's workforce reflects the communities in which they operate, while simultaneously avoiding reverse discrimination. Importantly, U.S. law protects individuals from discrimination based on race, gender, age, national origin, sexual orientation, and other protected characteristics. And, of course, state anti-discrimination laws may afford protections to additional groups of people. However, because these protections in general are not meted out on the basis of minority status, but rather on these larger categories, someone who is white and between the ages of 20 and 40 might have just as legally viable a claim as someone who is black or African-American and 65 years old. Discrimination is discrimination. 
And such concerns are not merely theoretical. Although claims of reverse discrimination have historically formed a smaller percentage of the overall lawsuits and claims of discrimination, they are no less real a concern for employers. I predict that the current socio-political environment, where DE&I is front and center, will actually increase the interest in claims of reverse discrimination amongst the plaintiffs' bar and government agencies in the months and years to come. So, back to our recruiter or staffing agency that finds itself between a rock and a hard place. While they may want to satisfy their clients' demands for more diverse slates of candidates, they must remain aware that Title VII prohibits screening or sifting through employment candidates based on race. Additionally, protected characteristics may not be used as a criterion in job advertisements. Further, recruiters and staffing agencies may not use these tactics as a proxy for their clients. A good rule of thumb for recruiters and staffing agencies. If you would not use the tactic in the hiring of your own active workforce, you should not use them to perform recruiting and staffing duties for your clients. Indeed, a staffing agency or a recruiter that honors an employer's request to only send it candidates of a particular ilk risks liability and so does the employer. Specifically, According to the EEOC's enforcement guidance, the fact that a staffing firm's discriminatory assignment practices is based on its client's requirement or request is no defense. Thus, a staffing firm is just as liable if it honors a client's discriminatory assignment request or if it knows that its client has rejected workers in a protected class for discriminatory reasons and for that reason refuses to assign individuals in that protected class to that client. Further, the staffing firm is liable if it administers on behalf of its clients a test or any other selection requirement that has an adverse impact on a protected class and is not otherwise job-related for the position and consistent with business necessity. And a staffing agency's client that rejects workers for discriminatory reasons is liable either as a joint employer or third-party interferer if it has the requisite number of employees to be covered under the anti-discrimination statute. Remember that courts have made it clear that any non-remedial affirmative action plan if aimed at promoting diversity rather than remedying discrimination could be in violation of Title VII. As such, employers should think through their DE&I recruitment practices with counsel to ensure that their compliance to the law as well as their hearts are in the right place before proceeding. For everyone in listener land who has just thrown up their hands in frustration, I see you. I also hear all your thought bubbles where you splutter. Well, what about the implementation of tools such as the Rooney Rule or the Mansfield Rule? 
For those of you who are not yet in the know, the Rooney Rule, developed by the National Football League and named for the then Pittsburgh Steelers chairman, Dan Rooney, requires sports teams to interview two minority or diverse candidates from outside their organization. The Mansfield Rule in the legal profession similarly aims to boost the representation of diverse lawyers in law firm leadership by broadening the pool of candidates considered for legal positions. Each rule is grounded in behavioral science research, which suggests that a critical mass of approximately 30% of diverse candidates is needed in a candidate slate in order to change the status quo. Importantly, these rules do not require an employer to hire or even give preference to a diverse candidate. They only require an employer to interview such candidates. And while these rules initially proliferated amongst employers in the sports and legal industries, they have caught on and spread amongst corporate America. However, employers contemplating the implementation of such a rule should take heed that to be legally compliant, these practices cannot be a racial quota system that would violate Title VII. Instead, an employer, a staffing agency, or a recruiter who aims to implement an equivalent of the Rooney Rule must remember that the ultimate decision of hiring or promotion should be based solely on business-related criteria and not upon protected characteristics. But take a step back, you say. If I'm not allowed to consider an individual's diversity, how do I even ensure that my slate of candidates is sufficiently diverse to satisfy the Rooney Rule or its corporate equivalent? Keep in mind that the goal here is to ensure a diverse slate without selecting applicants for the interview based on protected characteristics. First and foremost, recruiters and staffing agencies should not alter their business-related criteria for a position to match the candidate. All candidates on a slate should meet the requisite qualifications for a position. Employers might even consider being more circumspect and limiting the requirement for diverse slates to those groups that have an identified shortfall based on a privileged internal analysis. And when building this diverse slate, it is important not to exclude applicants from the pool because of their protected characteristics or attempt to replace a qualified non-diverse candidate with a diverse candidate. So, for example, a recruiter or a staffing agency attempting to satisfy a call for a diverse slate should not drop a qualified applicant from the roster simply because of that individual's protected characteristics. Ultimately, you want to expand that talent pool, not restrict it. Well, we have spent another fun episode tackling the ways in which you can foster diversity amongst your workforce in a legally compliant manner. If you have any more questions about these issues or anything else in the DE&I space, don't hesitate to shoot me an email or give me a phone call.
we will continue to unbox and demystify other DE&I concepts in future podcasts, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.